Okay, we're going to look at the big idea. So we're on the, on the note page that says the big idea. Big idea number two about small groups. Last two weeks ago, we had not a FOPE last week, but two weeks ago, uh, we took a look, we started taking a look at the big ideas about small groups, just a couple of hints, a couple of tips to send your way. Number two, think from larger, not smaller. Think friends, not intimate. Think from larger, not smaller. Think friends, not intimate. And here's what that means. Uh, if you have a small group, if you're leading a group or assisting leading a group, which probably everybody in this room could do one of the two, but if you're leading a group or you're assisting in a group, and the average size group is about 10 to 12 people. That's a healthy group size. Um, you know, it can be less than 10, 8. But on average, small groups run in about 10 to 12 people. That's a blank on your notes, which hopefully they're going to put on the screen for you so you can follow along uh, with me in your notes. But usually average size small groups, 10 to 12 people. That means if you want to fill your group, you need to invite about 20. So think larger. How many of you have ever had a, par or a party and you, you invited, you know, 20 people and five of them show up. Well, that principle applies in small group ministry as well. And the funny thing about small group ministry is consistency is huge. And so you may start off with three people and you're like, man, why is my group not growing? I've invited all these people and they're just not coming. Don't be discouraged. Keep meeting. Be consistent, stay with the same time, the same, you know, same bat channel, the same, you know, just stay with it, and eventually you'll get the result, I promise. People will catch on. So consistency is huge, but invite more than what you anticipate. Now, in regards to the comment that the, the purpose is friends, not intimate, uh, let's talk about what that means. We have our space bubbles, right? Everybody has their space bubble. Don't get in my bubble. Don't get in my personal space. Some people are more particular about their personal space than others. But uh, <laughs> regardless, there's some, there's some space bubbles that we, all, that we all fill. First is our public space area. Usually that's over 20 people and you're about 12 feet apart. This is a public space you know, you're about 12 feet apart uh, in general, unless you're sitting next to somebody that you're okay with. And if you're not okay with them, well, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> we, one, of those, one of those ladies that shared her testimony said years ago when she came to the church, uh, she sat down and an, an older lady came up to her and said, excuse me, you're sitting in my seat and me and my friends usually sit here, so you're going to have to move. <laughs> She said, I determined after they said that I would never come back to this church, and, but I came back. <laughs> and she said, but that's not the same church anymore. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. <laughs> Don't ever let me hear you say those words. <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got a pew out in the garage with your name on it. I'm not lying. I really do. I really do. There's your social space. There's your social space. This is where everybody knows your name. It's a social area, usually 5 to 20 people, 4 to 12 feet apart. Then there's your private space. Everyone knows your business. You're closer. 
It's two to five people, 18 inches apart. You're getting closer. Notice your bubble's getting a little closer here. Then there's the intimate space where everybody knows your secrets. Now, most people are not comfortable going to a small group, opening up in an intimate setting, especially if it's their first time. So don't expect, if you're a leader, that everybody's just going to come in and spill the beans about all their situation. Now, there, there might be those that do, but for the most part, people are not going to walk into a group and just start opening up. And so relationships have to be developed, and that's what small groups are all about. It provides an opportunity for lasting relationships, healthy relationships to be formed. Groups are a place to deal with the social problem of loneliness. So anyway, uh, that's, that's your tip for the week on small group ministry. If you are a small group leader or assistant leader or host, uh, Rick, who's the director of our small group care group ministry, is going to be doing a 15-minute huddle in a couple of weeks before the party to get with you on all the details. You should have also or you will also receive an email about all of that in the near future. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Timothy. I'm going to preach the shortest message ever. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, I just want to give you uh, some highlights of the importance of every person ministering. We're going to take a look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse, we'll start in verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all scripture, everybody say all scripture. scripture. Man, y'all are sounding great tonight. You just, I need you to train everybody on Sunday mornings. You're, you're rocking it tonight. Worship, receiving at the altar, all, everything. Hopefully giving. <laughs> this is awesome. I love it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may what? Be complete and thoroughly equipped. And so the, the word of God, preaching, teaching, correcting, rebuking, discipleship, all of those things are so that we can be complete, lacking nothing, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. We know, obviously, from this scripture and throughout scripture, that preaching is God-ordained, it's a God-ordained part of the church and a part of ministry, but it's not everything. It's not the entirety of ministry to the church. The Bible makes it clear that preaching is not going to solve all of the problems. It's not going to be enough to disciple and equip the body to be fully equipped, fully mature, and perfect and lacking nothing. As much as I enjoy preaching, it's not the end to perfection and completeness in God. And so there are other aspects of ministry that must take place besides pulpit ministry. You know, a lot of times people will say to us, oh, I feel called to ministry. And what's the first thing they want? They want the mic. They want the pulpit. And my first response always is, lead a small group. (laughs) Start a small group. Lead a small group. And if you can be successful at leading a small group, then you'll be successful at pastoring. And so it's important, uh, you know, we were... Uh, talking about this in our staff meeting this week, if you can think of a small group, you have a small group, one little small group, it's one little cell, it's like a blood cell in your body, one small group. 
and you're getting together, you're meeting with people, you're discipling people, you're loving them, you're building relationships, you're following up with them when they're in the hospital, i.e. Don Stump's in the hospital and expected to not make it uh, in the overnight. He's got infection in his blood. But when you're in a small group, you have people who are able to come and minister when those times happen. Birth of baby, you have a small group that comes and help with the meals and things like that. And so you're building these relationships and you're raising up other leaders. And then what happens is you raise up other leaders, that leader goes and starts another group. And so you equip them as the small group they came from, you're equipping that leader to lead a group, and you're helping them develop their group. And then all of a sudden, that that leader, their group explodes, and they have a new leader, and they're helping a leader. And then that leader starts, and all of a sudden, you have, as the original guy who started the group, four or five leaders that you're helping disciple and help them lead their groups. All of a sudden, we call that pastoring, because you have now 50 to 100 people that you're responsible for. And so that's how small, that's the importance of small group, is you're growing, investing, discipling, and building the body. So, Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 illustrates this, that they continued daily in fellowship and breaking of bread from house to house. They were in the temple, but they went house to house. Acts chapter 4, we know that... uh, Paul, or excuse me, Peter had had issues. Peter and John had issues after healing the lame man. And so they all get together and they're praying. And as they're praying, they're not at the temple, they're praying. And what happens? God comes, shakes the place. They're all baptized. They're all filled with the Spirit and speak the Word of God with boldness. So there is importance in us meeting and praying together, fellowshipping together beyond what you get on a Sunday morning. If, If all you get... Uh, which we know that this is not true of those who are here this evening, because you're here on a Wednesday night again, but, but you're going to help teach and train others, uh, you know, right? You're going to find faithful men and women also, teach them also. So I'm teaching you, you're going to help relay this message to the rest of the church. If all you do is come on Sunday morning, and that's the only involvement that you have in our church, you, and, and maybe you even you know, come to an event or two or have a little bit of other involvement, you're not going to have the DNA and the heartbeat of the church because there's a lot more that happens here than just Sunday mornings. Sunday morning is just the icing on the cake of everything else that's happened through the week. So if all you do is see Sunday morning, you miss out on all of the other things that go on throughout the week, all of the things that go on behind the scenes. You're, you're just getting the, the, the dressed up, the makeup up, pretty, <laughs> pretty version of what is happening behind the scenes. And so come get involved. Encourage people to come and get involved. Get in a care group and get in behind the scenes. So a couple things about the importance of everybody ministering. Number one, the church is in a covenant community in which all members minister. All members minister. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12 say, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Our job as pastors is to equip you to do what? Ministry. Does it say that it's, you know, Paul doesn't give a, a delineation here that pastors should now be the ones going to the hospital, going to the births, going, fixing the meals. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Matter of fact, 
that was such an issue for the apostles because it was taking up all of their time, remember in Acts 6, that they had to designate people from among them to do those things. They were called deacons. That was the biblical deacon, is that they were to come and to assist and alleviate the responsibilities of the day-to-day pastoral care of the church. They were taking care of the widows. They were serving food in the food lines. They were taking care of all the potlucks and all those good things, right? Number two, the Holy Spirit ministers to the body through each member. The Holy Spirit ministers to the body through each member. Every single one of you have a gift and have a deposit from Holy Spirit that you and only you can release into this body. And it will perfect and it will equip this body. If you're not releasing that gift, if you're not releasing what God's deposited into you, you're one, cheating yourself because you're not getting the joy of giving. Remember, that's Jesus's words. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So it is important that you and I are sowing. You don't reap because you don't sow, right? But then two, you're, you're causing lack in the body in which you belong. If you're not releasing the gift that God's placed within you and the deposit that God's made within you, you are causing lack in the body. Everything that we need to accomplish the vision that God's given this church is in the pews. I believe that. Not just resources, it is, it is finances, but it's also talents, it's skills. Everything that we need is sitting right here. You know, this past uh, week, weekend, I got a phone call. Heather and I, we were having, I was ministering to my family. We were having a great day out and about eating, doing things. And I get a phone call, pastor. And when a phone call starts off like that from one of your staff, you know, it's not going to be good. The garage doors broke. The garage doors broke? What do you mean the garage doors broke? Well, it's off the track. We've kind of propped it up. We need, so, I'm, you know, I'm processing this, and I'm thinking, there's a bus in that garage. <laughs> you know, there's, is the bus okay? You know, I'm starting walking through all the details here. So I came over, you know, left my family and dropped them off at home, came over, and, uh, Sure enough, it was off the track, you know, all of those things. And I thought, Lord, I have no blasted idea how to fix this garage door. It's three times my size and weighs probably 12. I mean, I, there's no way I can even possibly manage to fix this. I don't even know who to call to fix this door. I'm not from the area. I don't know any garage door companies. Okay, God, what are we going to do? And so I'm looking at the door. I'm looking. Uh, Al Hobson is here. He's one of our board members. He was here helping us out. And I'm looking at him, and he's like, well, Pastor, we got a situation. I'm like, thanks, Al. I appreciate the evaluation. He's like, I'll stay around. I'll help you. I'll watch. I know, keep things secure. I said, I appreciate that. He lives right across the street. I said, I appreciate that. Yeah, we might need your help with that because this is not going to be, this was on a Saturday. This is not going to be a quick fix. So I call, you know, somebody and said, hey, I got a problem. Can you, can you come help, you know, call Lester? And I thought, surely Lester knows somebody. Well, Lester's son-in-law has a friend that has a garage door company, lo and behold. So it all worked out, but the, the, they weren't able to come on Saturday. And I was like, well, 
we got to get it fixed on Saturday. God, who in the world am I going to call? So I call someone else who just recently had garage door work. They said, call this guy. I called that company. The guy had to wait an hour, two hours. It was probably two hours. Three hours. Thanks. I was here for three hours. My wife was keeping time. I was here for three hours waiting on the guy to show up. He gets here. Oh, we don't work on doors that big. <laughs> See, thanks. I appreciate that. You could have told me that before because, you know, I was on the phone. I told you that when I called you, right? But, uh, you know, I put on Christ on Christ, and uh, the Monday we had somebody come out and fix it, but it was those, it was that one contact, I was, be able, I was able to call somebody in our church and say, hey, I'm stuck, I need your help, and they had, they had a relationship with someone who came out and fixed it, and fixed it really cheap, thank you Jesus, inexpensive, not cheap, they fixed it inexpensive, <laughs> So we all have gifts. We all have talents. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Number three, the ministry of every, every member is indispensable for the church to be what God has called it to be. You know, we know this passage of Scripture that the hand can't say to the ear or the eye, oh, you know, I'm not an eye, so I'm not part of the body. No, you may be the most unique person in this body. You may be like the little pinky toe on the bottom of your foot. You may feel like you're the absolute outcast, worst person in the body. But God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. You're a part of the body for a reason. And allow your gift to flourish. Allow it to flourish. Number four, the ministry of the word is commanded from all the members to the other members. Ministry of the word, exhorting one another, praying for one another, uh, Studying the word together, teaching the word, is admonished not just from the pastor and the pulpit, but everybody, everybody ought to miss the word. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So uh, Paul tells us in Hebrews that we ought to, we are to exhort one another daily so that we don't fall into sin. Lurking within the crevices of our heart is deceitfulness and everything vile. And he says, if you don't want to fall into those things, you better find somebody daily that you're exhorting and encouraging and they're reciprocating in your life. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so if the New Testament church was doing this daily, how much more ought we to be doing this in the last days in which we're living? Number five, experience teaches us why the one another ministry is a necess is a is I'm gonna thank you necessary I, I'm having trouble with my English today one another ministry is a necessary partner with preaching so ministry together exhorting one another together and preaching partner together what does that mean well in large settings like a church service the impulse to disappear in the crowd is great. <laughs> People can come in, especially guests, newcomers can come in, and they can put their litmus test in the waters and see if they like it, and they sneak out the door. Uh, 
they can come in and, and they like the, the music, they hate the preaching, so they leave when the preaching starts. You know, they don't like the, the Pentecostal element, so if there's ever anybody falling on the floor, they go out the door. You know, all those things, it happens. Believe me, I, I'm up here, I get to see it every week. So all those things happen. Well, what is the power of small groups in that? Small group leaders can begin to rally around those people and form relationships and help them understand, hey, the falling on the floor, it's not as creepy as it looks. God's just touching people. He's ministering to people. Don't knock it till you try it. You know, it's not that bad. You might need to roll on the floor yourself. <laughs> the tendency toward passivity in listening. You know, when people are in large crowds like this, they can kind of... When I'm, Bob Evans is sounding really good right now. And then, so they become very passive and they're, don't go. I no, I'm joking. So just so you all know that I don't, I don't hate Bob Evans. I should say that it started, it, it was one joke on a Sunday morning and it just has kind of propelled. I've, I've gotten dirty emails about, no, I'm just joking, <laughs> but I have been threatened with gift cards. <laughs> Listeners in a large group can evade opportunity. The message is preached, the gospel message goes forth, and they can hide out in their pew and never make it to the front, never make a public declaration, never make a decision to follow Christ. And so in small groups, that, that becomes harder to do. Listeners in larger groups tend to neglect personal application. They hear the message. Now, that's a great word, Pastor. Good job, and they're out the door, and they live like the devil during the week. When you're in a small group, it makes that very difficult to live like the devil because you have somebody looking you in your face saying, you look like the devil today. You need to put on Christ, and they're going to help you and coach you and, and love you through being Christ-like and applying the truths of the Scripture. Opportunity for questions is obviously missing in a large group setting. Uh, let me emphasize that. Questions are missing in large group settings. <laughs> and so you don't get to ask questions in services or, you know, blurt out whatever you think about my message during service. Otherwise, our wonderful ushers will escort you out the door. Um, just joking. Just joking. Um, but small groups, provide, small groups, my wife is my filter. Small groups provide an opportunity for questions and answer and interaction, which obviously develops growth. Accountability for follow-through is missing in large gatherings. So when you're in a small group, you have accountability to make sure that you're following through on what you said you were going to do. And then there's prayer support for a specific need. So you can say, hey, you know, God really challenged me this Sunday when Pastor was preaching about tithing and giving. My tithing and giving hasn't been where it ought to be. And God really convicted me and challenged me about that. And so I need to do better at giving. I need to do better at tithing. And so my husband and I, my wife and I, myself and I, you know, whatever the case is, and the mouse in my pocket, we're all committing. We're going to tithe faithfully. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. And then you have people who are going to hold you accountable to that. Right? Awesome. So that's the power of everyone ministering.